0: what is up everybody welcome to another episode of the sean jones nba show i'm recording this on tuesday evening january 2nd and we had a very very rare december trade with a pretty big name player in og ananobi going from the raptors to the knicks So don't expect this one to run too long. But just going to give my initial thoughts on this trade, uh, how it affects both the Knicks and the Raptors, and um, who the biggest winners and losers are for this deal moving forward. But uh, with that being said, let's get right into it. So starting off with the parameters of the deal. um, So the Knicks obviously received OG Ananobi. They also got Precious Achua and Malachi Flynn in this deal from the Raptors, and Toronto acquired R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and a 2024 second-round pick that will be coming from the Pistons uh, that the Knicks received in a previous deal with Detroit. So, overall, I I think this is a win-win for both teams. I'm going to start off with the Knicks and just talk about their side of things. This is essentially a swap of Ananobi and Barrett at the expense of Quickly. And I think this is a really good fit for New York because it it's twofold. One, OG's a great fit for this team. But at the same time, RJ was just never a very good fit on this team. Um, I haven't been a big RJ guy, I've, I've spoken at length in the past. Just saying that I think he's a little too inefficient. He's not quite as good enough of a shooter as you would hope. He's not quite as impactful on defense as you'd like. He needs the ball a little too much. But um, that piece right there is really why he was never a great fit on New York, regardless of what you think about him as a player or how he projects later on. He's obviously only 23 years old, so he could turn into a very nice player down the road. But he's just not a very natural off-ball player. He, when he was uh, the number one overall recruit in high school, he was on the ball all the time. When he played at Duke, he was on the ball all the time, even though they had a guy like Trey Jones. If you watch those games, RJ had the ball in his hands late in games pretty much all the time. Um, and with the Knicks, he's been kind of best maximized with the ball in his hands. Not to say that he's been ball dominant. He certainly hasn't, especially over the past couple of years, given the personnel that New York has. But it's not necessarily natural for him to play off ball and be sort of a stand-in-the-corner, three-point shooter guy. I mean, just to pull some numbers, just this year in the past two, um, that two-plus year span, two-and-a-half years, whatever you want to call it, he shot only 33% on corner threes, which is – normally that is where players have their highest percentage um, from three because it's actually the shortest distance technically – and those shots tend to be more wide open because it's harder to generate uh, like off the dribble shot from the corner. Those are typically um, shots that are got when there's uh, another player creating an open shot for you and you kick out to three. So just to put into perspective, that is 13th percentile across the whole league for the pa- the past two full years he's had. So he is in the bottom 15% among efficiency from corner uh Three point shots. And like I said, he just hasn't been a good shooter. And that's what this team has needed, Uh, mainly because Brunson and Randall are both extremely ball dominant players. They are both at their best with the ball in their hands. We've seen Brunson playoff ball in Dallas. And of course, he's gotten better since then. But he was not nearly the same player he is now because he's much more effective when he has the ball in his hands. And we've seen the same thing with Randall as well. When he played in other places, New Orleans, uh, with the Lakers, he just he wasn't getting the same kind of uh, volume and um, just usage rate that he's getting in New York. And he's been the best version of himself in New York. He's made an All-NBA team twice now with the Knicks. Um, and so it's just really, really tough to have three guys that are – need the ball in their hands to be their best version. Um, and that's that's really what they've had, and that's limited their ceiling, especially in the postseason, because these guys, they, they play a lot of one-on-one ball, and it's easier to game plan in a series than it is in the regular season where one of the guys can maybe have an off night and the other two can pick up for them. However, uh, RJ, one of his flaws and why I'm not super high on him is because he hasn't really been able to make a massive impact on this team when he doesn't have the ball in his hands he's like got this the tools and the skill set to be a good defender but he just hasn't really shown that he can do that i don't know if that's effort-based or maybe he doesn't have a good instinct on that end whatever it is um he the, those defensive or i won't call it a deficiency it's not like he's a, a terrible defender but He doesn't excel on that end as much as you'd hope he would. And it doesn't make up for just the lack of shooting and the offensive clunkiness that he's had next to those other two guys. And there's a lot of games where Tibbs wasn't even having him on the court late in games. Like this guy was not even closing all the games for them, which is not what you want out of a guy. You just gave a hundred million dollars to, especially one that you invested a top three draft pick in as well. Um, And then the thing with this is just OG Ananobi does all of the he, he's everything RJ is not. He does everything that he doesn't do well, well. He thrives off ball. He's shot um in contrast to <laughs> Barrett's thirty-three percent on corner threes over the past couple of years. In that same span, Ananobi is forty-five percent on corner threes. Um that's eighty second percentile over the past two full seasons. So that's a massive jump. He, you're get taking a, you're going from a bottom fifteen percentile corner three shooter to a top fifteen percentile corner three shooter, um, and that's the other thing is he doesn't need the ball to be impactful because, like I said, he's a great spot up shooter, and he is phenomenal defensively. I mean, he's an all defensive level player. Last year he was top 5% in both block percentage and steal percentage. He's got size. He's six, eight, six, nine. He's versatile. He can guard smaller players. He can guard bigger forwards. Um, he's active. He just, he makes things happen on defense. And RJ was the opposite of that. I'm not saying he couldn't guard guys, but he was the first perc- bottom first percentile in terms of steal percentage last year. so, not like I need a guy to come out and average a steal and a half a game, but the guy just wasn't active. He wasn't making impactful plays on that end of the court. And OG is just such a contrast to that and such an upgrade in that facet of the game. He also will fit seamlessly next to Brunson and Randall as just a 3 and D guy. Um, so look, I in the short term, for this version of the Knicks, OG is just such an upgrade and the exact kind of player that I think is going to fit perfectly next to Brunson and Randall as well as the rest of their other guys with like DiVincenzo Hart, um, and the rest of their wing players, Grimes, and then Mitchell Robinson. Obviously he's going to be out for the rest of the season, I believe. Um, but I I wouldn't be surprised if they're not done adding players after this presumably is a bit of a win now move. Um, especially when you consider the fact that Ananobi is an expiring contract. Um, There are some downsides to this for the Knicks, though. They really, really are going to lack ball handlers now. The only player outside of Brunson who you could even, not even call a point guard, but even like a combo guard are Malachi Flynn, who they got in the deal, Miles McBride, and then Ryan Archidiakno. These guys are not rotation players. I mean, Malachi Flynn's career, five points a game on 38% from the field, 34% from three. He just hasn't gotten consistent minutes because he hasn't earned them because he hasn't been very good. Same deal for Miles McBride. I know he came out of West Virginia as a guy that people liked as a uh, maybe a 3 and D guy, a guy that is at least active on the defensive end. But so far in his career, he's averaging under three points per game on only 35% from the field, 29% from three. I know he shot it a little better this year, but he hasn't got minutes. When he's gotten minutes, he hasn't done anything on offense except to be <laughs> inefficient. So, And then Archie Diakno. I mean he's only played 41 games combined in the last 3 seasons so he's not a, he's a fringe NBA player to begin with. So I say all that to say that they just don't really have a reliable backup point guard right now and they don't have a lot of guys that can even act as that. I mean like you look at a team like Phoenix doesn't have a ton of point guards or any really but like Jordan Goodwin can do that. Like Eric Gordon, he can do that. He's been a guy with the ball in his hands when uh, throughout his prime. Obviously Booker and Beal to a Different level because they're higher level players, but they can be comfortable with the ball in their hands. The Knicks just don't really have a lot of guys like that at all now outside of Brunson, obviously. Um, So I think it's just going to be sort of a by-committee approach in the non-Brunson minutes. They'll obviously be fine when he's in the game, but when he's not in the game. And I think they're going to be relying on some of their presumed 3 and D guys like DiVincenzo, Grimes, Josh Hart. I think all of them are going to have to have increased responsibilities as ball handlers um look none of them are anything close to true point guards none of them are amazing ball handlers even for their position none of them are great offensive initiators for themselves or others really they're more catch and shoot guys DiVincenzo can do a little bit off the dribble um Hart is does a lot of his damage like in the paint on, on the um uh, rebounding the ball and stuff and Grimes has mostly been just a catch and shoot uh, three and D guy to this point Though Grimes did come into college as a presumed combo guard, he did place a point guard in college. Um, but he's been much better off the ball. That was kind of when he struggled in college was when he was asked to be more of a ball handler at Kansas. And then once he transferred to Houston and could play off-ball more, that was when he sort of... Um, thrived and uh, did a lot better and he because he looked like a bus coming out of high school initially but then was able to work his way into first round territory and into the NBA draft so I do think DiVincenzo is probably the best equipped to do more of this but again still not a point guard Um, so they're definitely going to miss quickly on that front just in terms of initiating the offense a reliable ball handler but also just his scoring I mean their bench takes a significant hit here without a doubt he was runner up for um six man of the year last year a lot of people thought he deserved to win um i thought he was a worthy candidate this year he's following it up with another very very solid season as well um and look they've been the knicks have been among the tops in the league in terms of bench scoring and um their net rating when their bench is out there too they win a lot of games with their bench and it's been a real strength of theirs and quickly he's been the driving force behind that i mean he's the main guy he's Whether you want to call him a a spark plug, an instant offense, a microwave score, whatever it is, I mean, he's all of those things. And he he gave them a consistent, massive advantage uh, when he would play up against the other team's second units. He's a much improved shooter. He wasn't the most efficient when he first came into the league, but um, he's certainly made progress there. Uh, I mean, this season he's right under 40% from the field, right around 45% from the field. That was after the first few years he was sub-40 from the field. So he's gotten more efficient, albeit not amazingly efficient, but still made major strides there. Um, and that's with his volume going up. His stats improve when he starts, so it's not like one of those he the doesn't translate when you add volume to it. Also, probably one of the biggest improvements he's made is on the defensive end. He was a little bit of a liability when he came into the league, but he was significantly better there last year. He's continued that this year. So he's just been a, a really solid two-way player, um. Uh. Like, if Lou will could play a little defense, that's kind of what you're getting at it quickly. But I'm interested to see what he can do as more than just a sixth man because he did start uh, last night with the Raptors in his first game. So I would uh, assume he'll continue to do so. Um, in terms of the Knicks, big picture here, they are still a move away from being relevant. There's no doubt about it. They're just this is not a a needle mover. I think this puts them maybe comfortably as the fourth best, fourth or fifth best team in the East, whereas they, you could make some cases for Orlando or Indiana above them before this deal. I think they're—I I would trust them more than those teams now for sure. But, um, look, they're not beating Boston. I don't think they're beating Milwaukee. I'm not going to pick them to beat the Sixers. I probably am picking Miami over them again as well. So, like, I think they're—could they could they make the second round again if they got a, a good matchup? Sure. But do I think they have any chance to do anything beyond that? I, I just don't. Um, but look, they've got the pieces to make it happen. They have all of their first round picks moving forward as well as um, one from Dallas this year, one from Detroit this year, one from Washington this year. There are heavy, heavy protections on most of these picks. Like the Washington one will not convey this year. The Detroit one will not convey this year. The Dallas one probably will. Um, but that's what we thought last year and it didn't. So <laughs> who knows? They've got a lot of protections on them. So, but they've got picks to move. They can um, defer some of those uh, um, protections and you can end up trading them and then they can add extra protections. They could take protections off working in a deal with one of the other teams as well. They also have all of their own picks, like I said. So they've got moves to make. They've got movable contracts. Fournier is an expiring deal. If they want to make a huge upgrade, I mean, Randall is certainly a guy who should have some value on the open market despite the polarizing figure he is. He's been phenomenal over the past few weeks. There's no denying that. And so, look, if they can go out and get a Donovan Mitchell, then maybe we get a little more interesting. Maybe they could beat Miami. Maybe they could beat Philadelphia. Maybe they could make it at least interesting with a team like Milwaukee. Um, But, look, it it has to be a top 15, top 20 guy. If they're not getting one of those guys – it's just not going to happen for them as a contender. You need a top 20 to top 15 player to even have a chance at making any sort of run in today's NBA. The league is just too talented. Um, I don't care how deep you are. I don't care how good your bench is. There's just no real precedent for it. I mean, (laughs) they can, 2015 Hawks themselves to the conference finals, maybe, but outside of that, I mean, it's just not, it's not going to happen. So they've got them pieces We'll see if they make a move. I think they're they're going to still make another move. Um, but I like this as a trade for them just to get marginally better around the fringes. Um, it didn't cost them any of their picks in the first round at least, so you have to be pretty happy about that. I wasn't a huge RJ guy anyway. Look, Quickly is a free agent after this year. They were probably going to lose him anyway because him and Brunson, they, they just don't really play they don't fit together they're too redundant he was probably going to leave anyway if they did they were going to have to overpay just to keep him on the bench regardless so um, we'll see but back to OG and on the long term of things he's also a free agent after this year well he has a player option but he is almost certainly to decline that so with that said this deal I say is a success but It is very contingent on them re-signing him. If they do not re-sign him, then it can quickly turn into a disaster for them. I mean, to get to get rid of quickly and Barrett and a first-round pick or second-round pick—that's about as good of a second-round pick as you can get with the the Pistons, who are obviously terrible this year. So they gave up legitimate assets to get him. If he were to walk in free agency, it would really, really, really be a bad look for them. Um, They definitely need to make sure that they keep him. Um, but I mean, it looks like he's going to, they were saying he wanted somewhere close to 40 million. I think he might get a contract similar to like a Jeremy Grant type deal, which doesn't sound great when you say it out loud, but given the context of the salary cap and where deals are headed, like that just is the market. If they don't sign him to that, somebody else will. And so they better make sure that they're the team that does it just because, like I said, doing this for five month a five month rental, giving up your former top three pick your um, up and coming reigning runner-up for six men of the year like these are just not assets you're just dumping to make a run at the second round for a second year in the row, in a row so I think they will resign him I mean he've got he's got the connections um, with his agent to Leon Rose and his group so I'm not worried about it. I'm sure that they probably had some discussions beforehand to say like hey if we make this, are you open to it? I doubt they would without at least somewhat of some assurance, but makes sense that he'll opt out just because of the contract situation, and obviously he can get a raise if he opts out. So, But, yeah, wouldn't call this a loss by any means for the Knicks until that happens, but I don't think it will happen. So, um, Overall, I think it's a good deal for the Knicks. Um, I think they do need to make another deal for another brawl handler to replace quickly, whether that's like a Jordan Clarkson or something. I think they're... Missing maybe in one more big man with Mitchell Robinson out. And then if they want to really contend, they still need to get a top 15, top 20 guy. Um, but they're a better team than they were before the deal, in my opinion. So, Moving over to the Raptors side of things. So, I, again, I think this is kind of a win-win deal. I like it for both sides. It is kind of hilarious, though, that uh, Masai has been... There were all those reports he wanted four or five first-round picks for Ananobi, and then they'd finally do a deal, and he got zero, which is pretty funny. Not to say that it was a disaster of a deal by any means. Like I said, I like it. But it's it's just funny that he's been so stingy. And they 100% needed to trade him because he's an expiring contract. There's been weird reports about him wanting an increased role there in the past, um, being unhappy. There was some weird locker room stuff with them with Nick Nurse the past few years. So... He probably wasn't going to stay regardless, um, and they really could not lose him for nothing after they did exactly that, losing Fred Van v- Vliet last year for nothing as he walked to and signed with Houston, and then Kyle Lowry the year before, who they were maybe going to trade at the deadline, didn't, then ended up having to do a sign-and-trade where they got minimal assets, and they could have gotten significantly more if they had dealt him at the deadline. Um, and look, massage he he got his championship in 2019, but you cannot ride that forever. It's going to be five years ago at, um, at the end of the season. And they just haven't managed their assets super well. As of late, they just hold on to guys too long and then they don't ever pull the trigger. And then they've just lost players and they can't keep doing that. So he needs to be traded, whether it was now or at the deadline, I was surprised to happen this early. Um, but I mean, it, it was a solid deal overall for them. So I'm not maybe a team would have got more desperate closer to the deadline. They could have got some more picks, but maybe they preferred players this time and they wanted some actual guys they can build around, which I don't blame them for. I think a lot of teams end up going heavy on the picks, but do those picks often turn into something (laughs) sometimes, but certainly not as at at as high of a rate as you would like. Um, I think I know I just kind of took a shit on Barrett a little bit, but I think it's worth taking a flyer on him. I still think he, like I said, he's 23 years old. He's got the tools if he wants to be good defensively. He His shot may never get there, but he's has the unique skill of being a, a shot creator. He can get to the basket. He can get to the free throw line. He can shoot a little off the dribble. He's still a guy that... If you're not looking to win right now, there's nothing wrong with having him on your team and trying to develop him. And we've seen Toronto be really good in the development space in the past with guys that were not, not heralded. So if we get a guy like him who is got the talent and the skill set to be really good, maybe they can help um, develop him into what a lot of people thought he would be coming out of the draft when he went top three overall. Um, I really like them getting quickly too. I think he'll definitely benefit from an expanded role. Like I said last year, his... Uh, stats when he started, only got better. He was more efficient when he started. He had higher volume when he started. So um, I don't have many many concerns about him like not being able to translate uh, into a, a more prominent role. I think he'll be fine. It's funny because they played together in college, but I feel like he gets a little bit of the maxi uh, comp as a player, and, and there are some similarities. I don't think he's going to end up being a Tyrese maxi just because maxi is uber efficient and he just has been his whole career whereas quickly just was not that coming out um when he first got into the league however there's some flashes I think it's worth seeing how close he can get to that because I think that's kind of the mold that you'd want to go for a guy who can just get to the paint whenever he wants has a great floater um can shoot off the dribble can shoot catch and shoot good with the ball in his hands can play a little off ball um super fast with the ball getting downhill you know so it's I'm interested to see what he can be. He's only 24 years old at this point. So um, this guy presumably is the limit. Do I ever think he'll be like an all-star player? Probably not. But I was really impressed with his defense last year, as I mentioned earlier, just in terms of I didn't think he'd ever be that solid. I thought he was honestly a liability. Um, And look, he did struggle in the playoffs last year. His shooting splits were awful. Um, He didn't play well on either end. So there's certainly room to grow for him. Um, And then the second round pick they got, like I said, that's Detroit's pick. So it's going to be a top 35-ish pick at worst, probably top, could be 31st, 32nd, 33rd overall. So it's almost like a bad first round pick um, and they get it as a second. So it's not a terrible, um, it's not just like a throw in second pick, I would say. Um, But for Toronto, look, they need to move OG. If they're smart, they will move Siakam as well. He needs to be moved. He's also an expiring contract after this year. He's already like 29, I think. And what does re signing him even do for you? He's not on the same timeline as guys like Scotty Barnes, is only 22 years old. RJ's 23. Quickly's 24. They're moving in the younger direction. Um, they already let uh, Van Vliet walk, as I said. Lowry's been gone for years. Um, now Ananobi's gone, like the era from their post-championship group, it, it's, it is expired. Um, Siakam's not even having a very good year either. He's been really solid the past few years, and just this year just hasn't shot the ball well. He's lost a step defensively, it looks like. So you can't lose him for nothing, because his value is not going to be higher than it is even with the down year, just because he's going to get a big contract. He, who knows how he's going to look two years from now. Um, and look, they should be focused on adding shooting. They're near the bottom of the league in three-point shooting, near the bottom of the league in free-throw shooting. All of the best players are just not great shooters. Barnes has shot the ball well this year, but not historically. Siakam's not a great shooter. RJ's not a great shooter, um, and so they just they need to get more shooting. They need to continue to get younger, uh, and I think the progression of Scottie Barnes this year has finally allowed them to pull the trigger here. They've been so reluctant for so long, but he's having a really great bounce back year after what a lot of people thought was a down sophomore season last year. But I think them now seeing, Hey, this guy really could be our best player. He could get his way into the top 10, top 15 conversation. At least at some point, again, he is only 22 years old. So that has, I think allowed them to be more comfortable moving off some of these other older players. Not that they're super old. They're all still in their twenties, but Not on the same timeline. And RJ fits the timeline better. Barrett also, look, he's, this sounds lazy, but he's from Canada. He said he was a Raptors fan growing up. So at least, you know, he's going to embrace the city. Um, Someone who you know is going to want to be there. Um, Which Ananobi, who knows if he ever really wanted to be there. Um, But yeah, Raptors. Pretty solid overall. I think they're heading in the right direction. Again, I think they're not done either. I think they'll move Siakam. I think they certainly could still move Pirtle as well. I think a guy like Dennis Schroeder could be dealt. They've got guys to deal. And, look, they are they're not. They haven't been good even with these guys. So I think it's time for them to sort of take a backseat. Um, I don't want to say bottom out because they've got enough talent where they're not going to bottom bottom out. But just see what they got. Throw the guys out there. See how they look and just start building – more through the draft like they have been sort of doing, and then um, maybe take a flyer on some bad contracts and see if they can maybe revitalize a, a younger player. I mean, a, a perfect example of this is look at someone like Kobe White. He's having a, a by far the best year of his career, and I bet you you could have had him in a trade last year for like one first-round pick or two seconds or something like that. And another good example of someone who maybe is more available now, who knows, but Jaden Ivey. That guy was presumed top four pick. There were rumors of people willing to give up like multiple picks, proven guys just to have the right to draft him. And now the Pistons are like barely using him at all. And he's had, he's been buried on the bench at times when he's playing He's not getting put in great positions. So just a, a candidate kind of like that is what maybe Toronto should be going after as well as just accumulating picks and getting younger. Um, And they just need to make sure that they don't lose the rest of their guys <laughs> for nothing like they have in the past. But I do think this was a rare case of a pretty win-win deal overall. I kept going back and forth. I was like, well, that's kind of a lot to give up for Ananobi. And then I was like, well, they didn't even give up a single first-round pick and quickly as a restricted-free agent is probably leaving after this year. And <laughs> on, then on the Raptor side, I'm like, you couldn't even get a single first for O.G.? But then I'm like, well, they did get a pick that is almost a first, and then he is an expiring contract, so you probably weren't going to get a ton of picks for him anyway. And then Barrett is maybe the best player you were going to be able to get back, and then quickly's is also a really nice piece. So it's like uh, you could convince yourself either way, which when you're going back and forth on it, that probably means it was a pretty fair deal for both sides and that's going to do it for this episode of the sean jones nba show um i'll probably have some more in-depth content over the next week or two but just wanted to get a quick little react to that trade since it was a little bit unexpected and one of the bigger trades we've really had in the month of december in recent memory so i anticipate we'll have some more deals over the next coming weeks if not next coming months um But, yeah, we'll talk through rumors, talk about how teams are continuing to look. There's been some teams that started hot and are falling off, some teams that struggled early that are um, starting to look a little bit better. Um, So I'll touch on all that uh, in the next episode I have. But uh, with that being said, thank you so much for listening, and I will chat with you soon. Thank you.